0: afternoon. We are Art As We Know It, and we are a student-run podcast live here in F102. This is the first episode of our bi-monthly podcast. With this podcast, we hope to share our art knowledge and to help inspire people to find art in their daily lives. Without further ado, let's get into the first topic, destruction of art.
1: Hi, I'm Patrick, and today in art history, London-raised vorticist artist David Bomberg was born.
2: Hi, I'm Morgana, and today's topic in our episode it's gonna be it's gonna be about destruction of art and how events such as natural disasters, the artist's intentions, or governments tend to destroy art in order to make a statement.
3: So the first topic is going to be about a recent scandal that occurred in the art world in early October, and I'm referring to Banksy, Banksy's prank that happened at the Sotheby's auction house where. A $1.4 million painting entitled Girl with a Balloon was shredded halfway through its frame upon being sold. And so this kind of really piqued my interest and got me thinking about how um, artists intend to destroy their artwork and whether, you know, his intention was to actually destroy the artwork or if it was just like some sort of accident.
1: Mm -hmm. His intention, um, it creates history for his piece and it creates like an event or a happening. So I think after when, after this com collector is done with it, it's gonna sell for a lot more. I,
2: mean, I think one thing with Banksy is that we, she, the sheep are very against capitalizing and gaining money from art. And I believe that the reason that the kind of destroyed the art could have been because you don't know, want people to gain money off of that, is which is not. The
0: I think I read somewhere earlier someone made a comment for Banksy saying that they, whoever Banksy is, used to sell that exact kind of painting or like on the side of streets in London and be like very cheap, and now it's like in a big Sotheby's auction house selling for so much money. I think they were just like using this giant stage to set a comment to art and the overpriceness of it.
2: I really think that Banksy loves scandals, so the fact that they made the news for destroying their own artwork, you know, there was obviously their intention from the beginning. You know, if you've seen like, the YouTube video that he posted, you know, frame is over a decade old and so, and he said in all the test runs we did, it actually worked, it shredded all the way through, but the fact that it stopped halfway
0: through, you have to wonder, you know, was that the intentional part? I think having it shred halfway through is more interesting than having it shred all the way, because then it's still a part of it. And it's like wherever it's gonna go, the frame and the half shedded is still gonna be with it. Yeah, it like literally leaves the painting hanging and like the audience mm-hmm. like wondering,
3: you know, lingering questions.
1: Yeah, yeah it adds just like another layer of depth to it that it what wasn't his intention of doing what happened to it.
2: Now the question is now that it's so famous, now even more famous, is it
0: gonna sell for more? For sure. Things, yeah, probably. I think it will go against what Banksy originally stood for because he wanted to ruin the you know, Yeah. But now he's just making it even more expensive. Mm-hmm. So, what
1: if it- someone like, bumps into the frame and like, shreds the rest of it? <laughs> oh,
2: I forgot. Okay, so Banksy might have had his artwork intentionally destroyed for a specific purpose, but sometimes whenever art is destroyed, it is just because of natural disasters. And specifically, I'm talking about the fire at Brazil's National Museum in early September oh. and how... The museum completely lived in flames and the 20 million, excuse me, 20 million artifacts that were there, most of which were either damaged or destroyed. You know, they had skulls that were uh, 11,000 years old and they had history that was only present within the actual museum. And it asked the question, you know, how do you salvage that art? How are you supposed to go on whenever you have millions of artifacts destroyed? I think one of the saddest parts of that is that most of the artwork that was destroyed was Native American art, and from what we know from Native American history is that it's not written pre-colonial, of course, that's what we we're talking about. So, you know, having that all gone, that's just an extreme loss for South America's general. because most of the art that they do have is from post-colonial, because, you know, colonialism, they ruined a really lot of Native American art, so what's left of it now Having that gone, that's just a major part of pre-colonialism, just gone. So that's a
0: huge missing
2: part of, you know, South American
0: history. Just a question. How many of y'all heard about the fire when it happened? I I read on the
4: I didn't hear about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. what I
0: noticed is that there wasn't a lot of coverage over it, and I'm not sure if it's necessarily because it's a foreign country or if there isn't necessarily a lot of coverage on destruction of art in general.
2: I think Mm -hmm. there wasn't maybe coverage of it u.s because it's by a region Mm -hmm. and like i don't think like you know the local news the united states or texas don't care that much unfortunately but you know bbc other like eu news it was all over it but still it is a major country in the world and they have you know their national museum was basically our version of the met and the national museum of history combined into one it was even like a former royal palace you know this building and the pieces that were inside of it, you know, lot to the history of the Brazilian people. And the fact that we heard so little of it just kind of speaks volumes about, you know, our news today and how we perceive things. Not only that, I feel like if they were more Western, quote unquote, I guess, art, if they were more Western Renaissance art, or if there was like a good moment or like a Van Gogh art, people would like freak out. Mm-hmm. So I think this shows the disregard that people have for folk art or, like, Native American art in general, that, you know, if it was some um, contemporary art, people would just care more. So that, again, shows where do we stand in terms of history, and how much
4: we care, like, how do we value art? I don't think it's, like, disregard. I just think we don't know about it as well because it is Native art, and it's very, like, you yeah. know, it's specific to that country. And there's no names not there. Too. Yeah, we don't necessarily, because, like, we all know like Van Gogh paintings just because it's so like Western. popular in like media and stuff and yeah I, I don't know I guess just well, it being new but we don't know. A lot about
1: we live in like a Western society so it makes sense that Western art carries the influences into modern times as opposed to like Native American art which was like really focused on tribal like, traditions yeah.
2: You can kind of like even though like this is a horrible tragedy I just kind of want to talk about how. Currently we have the California fires going on and luckily, even though it has affected, you know, over or nearly a hundred thousand acres of land, there hasn't been that much destruction of art. You know, these are both horrible fires that occurred, but the thing that's not you know, they're not focusing on the Adobe structure that was lost, they're focusing on, you know, how many people are losing their houses and they're focusing on, you know, the celebrities that are losing their houses. It's kind of unfortunate. But there is some destruction of art but it's not to the same extent, which is you know, really good for our
4: country, I'd have to say. Plus like the California fires are still so, like relevant, like they're still very like that's you know, still a very big yeah. thing and yeah. they're still yeah. happening, yeah. And like yes, the destruction of art, like even though it might not be a lot like it's still important, but then you're like facing the balance between like people's people. homes and like people's like, lives you know over yeah. art. Like some like it's just the value that yeah. we're concerned.
2: You know, moving on. Again, natural disasters are something that is out of an artist's control. Another thing that sometimes can be out of artist's control is when other people ruin their art. So an example of that that we can use is how some you know, corrupt governments tend to try to silence form of resistance or anything that they don't like by disrupting that art.
0: I think specifically in recent times, we can relate that to Aoweiwei uh, and the, how China destroyed its studio. This is actually very recently, sometime in August this year, 2018. And it was kind of a big deal because Awewe is on the national stage.
2: And I think that's the reason why it was very big in the international community. And then again, that kind of shows the fault within our society because I'm pretty sure with the Chinese government, that has happened more than once. So, like, I think it's like, oh, but I think I like really appreciated how it's like kind of coming out you know, when it happens to someone famous, we tend to like, look at this issue. Oh, it's isn't that a human rights violation? You know, ruining someone's art, you know, ruining someone's life. So how do we as an international community should be like, I guess, react to that?
1: Yeah, one of the advantages of being, living in today's world is that, uh, you know, information is out there. And it's a lot harder for governments to hide um you know, silencing citizens and stuff. So uh, I'm just glad the information is out there.
2: And like another thing is that China in a way is trying to silence this person. Now the whole world knows.
4: Yeah. So it just kind of
2: backfired, which is, I think that's the irony of it. Because, you know, China, like if you like look in the government, of course they try to like isolate the country and isolate themselves. But what they don't know is that the news gets out there. So I don't think they thought it would become a big deal. So it's just interesting how it backfired and everyone's talking about it.
0: Yeah, and Awewe was very much known to be a critic of the government. And so I think if anyone who has that much influence like throughout the world, if like it's kind of bold for the government to make a move like that on them. And they could say that they destroyed it for whatever purpose, but people inherently know that it has something to do with his information that he's been spreading and his opinions he's been sharing.
4: I'm sure that like, and like he has talked about, Like the government a lot, so he he had to know know that something like this could have like happened. But the government was trying to like...
2: And I think that's why most of these like exhibitions and all that are in the West. Because, you know, the more he puts it out there, the more people will know about his work. And the more people will have seen his work before it's destroyed by the government. Well, and especially with the society we do live in, we, you know, Uh, Ai Weiwei would be, you know, unknown to us, if not for the spread of information, you know. We're able to see photos of his work and videos and all of this stuff, which we, you know, wouldn't have been able to 30 years ago, you know. So I think the society we live in and the fact that we can see his work, even if his studio is destroyed, just kind of goes against what, you know, China was trying to do by, you know, doing what they did. Sorry. (laughs) I mean, right now, he's not in China. So, it's I not already... safe either. It's very similar to Shirin Neshat's case, but she's also in exile, and her art is very much not welcome in Iran. So, I think that there's a trend that we see with corrupt regimes that try to, you know, silence a resistance or a movement by trying to destroy it. But without knowing, living in today's world with like a lot of globalization that we have things to internet, it just backfires and makes them look.
0: I actually wanna bring in another story that I read about. It was about this underwater sculpture piece in the Maldives. It recently got taken down um on order. Like the president ordered it, the president of the Maldives because it violated Islamic beliefs or so he thought. And that's not as big as our but I still think it's really interesting because it was like a part of a resort and I don't know, it was out of the ocean. It was out in the middle of the ocean. Not necessarily the middle of the ocean, but offshore far enough to where it's debatably still a part of the Maldives and they still took it down.
3: I think that brings up like an interesting thought that like people are so afraid of the power of art that they go to such great lengths to sort of destroy it. And I just think that that kind of like gives a lot of meaning to art and makes it seem like a lot more
2: powerful.
0: Personally, I looked at um, pictures of the sculptures online and I didn't, really see anything about it that has a specific message other than connecting people to like the environment and having people be more aware of that so i don't see where the president could stand their ground to be like no this goes against what i believe in
2: like the idea that, that oh this goes against what i believe in thus i'm gonna bring it down that again shows you know the corruptness of it like oh i don't like it so i'm gonna take it down
1: that sounds almost like um, an example of iconoclasm right there. That just happens to be our vocabulary word for the day. Because as <laughs> you're all wondering, iconoclasm is the social belief in the importance of the destruction of icons and other images or monuments. So the um was it an icon, Alana?
0: Corollarian? Yeah. Uh, it, was <laughs> it was an art piece. It was an art installation, yes. So right. I guess it was an icon.
1: So the president ordered this piece to be taken down. He obviously didn't believe in the values it expressed because they went against the like values he wanted to be expressed within his country. Um, it's a classic example of iconoclasm, uh, similar to like the Roman iconoclasm by the Roman dude. <laughs> yes. The Roman y'all know dude. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. You know? But an even better example would be a more recent one by the Bamiyan Buddha, which is one of the 250 pieces that you're going to be studying for that test. And this is going to be the tip for that test. So, this Buddha statue was destroyed in the early 2000s. It was located in the uh, Hazarajat region of central Afghanistan.
2: So, one thing that we can talk about is that since Taliban have taken control of Afghanistan, they've been trying to Pushed to radical views, and so many so so many of it goes against like ruining art that is not necessarily Islamic. And this is just an example of it. And you can use that on your task.
1: It a cool Buddha statue too. I believe they took it down. It's
2: oh. Huge. It was like yeah, sad. It was like big. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's huge.
1: It's a uh, part of history.
2: All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So ending the, uh, the the episode there. we Move on to our trivia question for our next episode. Which is what influenced surrealism, or what
4: art movement influenced surrealism? And you can put in your answer in the form below. Thank you for listening to our first episode of Art as We Know It. Please subscribe if you want to hear more like merch and (laughs) buyout. And yeah, listen next. God.
1: Smash yeah. that like no. button. No. I will personally come and high five you if you give us a like.
2: Go mm-hmm. smash that like-